Welcome to Murder and Mimosas. Just a quick disclaimer before we get started. Our show is Murder and Mimosas. It's a true crime podcast. This means that we do discuss crimes, including but not limited to disappearances, murder, and sexual assaults. All our episodes are told with the respect of the victims and the victims' families in mind. We strive to ensure that we provide factual information, but some information is more verifiable than others. With that, grab your mimosas and let's dive in. Welcome back. I'm Shannon. And I'm Danica. We're going to tell you the story of the Carews. So let's get started. Alan Carew wasn't what anyone would describe as a ladies' man. In fact, he didn't date much, if at all. As far as I can tell, he never moved out on his own. His father passed away and his mother at some point moved another man into the single wide trailer she lived in. Along with his mother, Alan's sister, her husband, and kids also all lived in a single wide trailer too in Vermont. Alan was looking for love and took to online dating in 2008 when he met Patricia. She lived in Long Island and Alan set off to meet her in person and he stayed for a short period of time. On his return, after two weeks, he brought Patricia back with him, and they got married. She, too, moved into the trailer. That is a short courtship, but I guess if you know, you know. I don't know if Alan had anything to compare it to, just the fact that he wanted someone. So Patricia, on the other hand, wasn't as green as Alan. She had been around the block a few times. In fact, on their wedding night, she told Alan she was in fact bisexual and wanted him to help her explore her sexuality more. He agrees and that's that he's all in. And if that's what she wants, that's what he's going to do. The two take it to the handy dandy internet and post about wanting a girl for their threesomes. As I mentioned, they all live in Alan's mother's trailer, a single lot. I would say can't be bigger than three bedrooms, maybe, with very thin walls, I might also add. So they needed somewhere to have these encounters. Patricia has the broad idea to buy a pop-up camper and put it in front of the, the in the front yard for this. I know we can't judge people by their looks, but you need to look up the two of them. Not to mention coming up on this and you are all three getting your freak on in a pop-up trailer in front of just a regular single wide trailer, but to each their own. We will have pictures of them on our Instagram, though, if you want to see what they look like. (laughs) So Alan's mother, Donna, said she eventually realized what was going on and she wasn't happy about it, but at least they weren't doing it in her home. Alan had a snowplow business and over 30 drives he would plow or driveways he would plow during the winter into around March each year. Patricia went on all the runs with Alan and she did the books for his business on the runs. One of his customers was Melissa, Melissa Jenkins. She was a 33-year-old single mom of a precious two-year-old son. She was a science teacher and had a second job as a waitress to make ends meet. She would pay Alan to plow her driveway. The couple got to know Melissa as they worked for her. On March 25th, 2012, Melissa 
called her ex-boyfriend and told him she was giving someone a ride and about her proximities and where she was going to be if she didn't return home. This girl was smart. She was a single mom with a son to worry about. Thank goodness she told someone. I agree. That is what I was thinking. So her ex-boyfriend, her ex-boyfriend and she had decided it's better for them just to be friends and they remained friends. He tried calling her later to make sure she had made it home. He wasn't getting her on the phone, though, so he decided to drive to her house and look for her SUV on the way. While driving, he did find her SUV. It was at 09, and it was on a dirt road close to her house. He looks in it for, in it for Melissa, and she isn't there, but her son is. He's in the back seat, and this poor little thing is covered in sweat and asleep. He calls the police right away, and they are there in no time. Of course, it's dark, so they can't see a lot. They get her son into fam- into the family until they can get a hold of his father. They look around the SUV, and they find one of Melissa's shoes. And they also find a baseball cap as well as tire tracks. That's all they find that night. Of course, her ex-husband, um, that they, or her ex, not her ex-husband, but her ex that called the police is questioned and is a possible suspect. He tells them why he went to look for her and what transpired. He doesn't know who she went to give a ride to. They check his phone records and get a warrant to get her phone records. As we know, this isn't as quick as on TV, so it doesn't happen instantaneously. The father of Melissa's son is also looked at as a suspect. The two had a pretty good relationship and are doing their best at co-parenting. They soon realize he was out of the area for work and he's rolled out. They do assume they have a possible witness, but they don't know how much of anything they will get from him, Melissa's son. They get an investigator who specializes in child interviews to talk with him. He doesn't say much, but he does motion to his neck with his hands as if to say she had been strangled. And I can't even imagine the fear this poor little boy went through. The police go back to her house and they're looking for anything that may give them some kind of indication of who she spoke to or what happened. They do notice on the table a business card for Alan's for Alan Pure for Alan Pure's snow plowing. They take that and they look into it with a few other things. As soon as the sun is up, they're looking everywhere for her. They eventually find her at a boat launch about 10 miles out of town. The scuba team removed her from the water. She was found nude with a cinder block tied around her to tie her down and her limbs over in hopes to have her body. This is an excellent job by the police and all involved in finding her so quickly and like where her remains were. Right. We were quick. We are always quick to say when they screwed up, but this case, they did a great job at getting to everything so quickly. Melissa is taken to the coroner and an autopsy is conducted. The Emmy notes bruises and contusions on her body, and they notice circular injuries 
on her body they later determined to be from a stun gun. But her cause of death was ruled strangulation. They do finally get the phone records back they subpoenaed and see that her ex was correct about her calling in and the times that they spoke. They are checking the records to see who called her that night. They see a call come in around 8.30 on March 25th, 2012. This was from a burner phone. So they have to figure out who has that phone. Where do, who, where does it belong? They find out that the phone was bought at Littleton, New Hampshire. They travel to the store and they obtain the video footage of customers and finally find out who bought the phone because they paid it using a check. That person was Patricia. As you all remember, Danica, they got Alan's business card from Melissa's house. So it doesn't take long before they put the two names together. Also, maybe if you're thinking of burner phones and nobody's going to find out anything, maybe rethink that. Or like pay with cash and not a check that has your flipping name on it. Yeah, but you still have the videos if they really want to go. And watch. Yeah, but I'm saying that was real quick because she paid with a check that her name is on. That is true. Of course, police... And also, nobody's going to take a check from you anymore, but still. So, don't pay their debit card then. (laughs) Pay cash. Or, like, don't buy a burner phone to kill someone. Also an option. True, true. We vote that option. Just (laughs) putting that out there. I want to be clear. Of course, police are itching to speak with, with the couple, but they don't even have to call them in. They are already at the police station. So, did they come to, like, turn themselves in? Are you kidding? No, that would be too easy. They came to make their own police report. Patricia claimed that someone was stealing her identity. I don't know, like maybe writing checks with her account or something. Dressing up to be her? Maybe. I don't know. She says she thinks it may be her ex-husband. Who knows? Maybe someone did, but the police know that it was her that wrote the check for the burner phone because they have her on video. They interview them together for a little bit. Let her give her spill or on her so stolen identity and all that jazz. And then they eventually bring the conversation to Melissa and do they know her? They said, yeah, they had worked for her. They asked where they were on the night she died. They said they ran errands and were in bed by 730 that night. In bed by 7.30. You don't even go to bed that early. And you are in bed <laughs> early. I know. So the police let them leave. And they may think they've outsmarted the police. But the police have them under surveillance. Something else the police notice in the footage of Patricia on the burner phone is that Alan is there too. And the hat that looks oddly familiar to the one they found on the ground at the crime scene. They finally call in the couple back to interview them again, separately this time. Patricia knows nothing about anything. That's her story and she's sticking to it even when she's shown the surveillance video. Alan, on the other hand, seems like a canary. He tells police, They had been searching for, quote, someone to play with, unquote, and had become obsessed with Melissa. 
Their plans that night was to draw Melissa out in hopes to have a threesome. They called her and said they were broken down near her house and asked if she could give them a ride. Melissa, being the good-natured person, she agreed that she would go pick them up. And so I'm just going to say she must have had something that told her that maybe this might be off. And this is why she called her ex. I mean, that's true. If something doesn't feel right, it's okay to be to say no. At least be smart like she was and give someone a heads up to check on you. But it's much better to be rude and alive than nice and dead. Yes, amen to that. So Alan says they lured her out and they didn't realize that she was bringing her son. He did say that Patricia just began choking her as soon as she saw her. I don't know if this was some kind of jealousy or if maybe her odd fantasies had escalated to something more sinister. Melissa didn't go down without a fight, though. So, but there were two against one, and Alan said he finally overpowered her and got her in their vehicle. Of course, after also tasing her. Patricia continued to choke her in the backseat until they killed her. They went back home, got cinder blocks, rope, and bleach. They undressed her, poured bleach all over her. He said um, this was to get the fingerprints off. They wrapped her in a tarp and then tied her with a rope and cinder blocks around her and put her in the water. The couple were both charged with first-degree murder, conspiracy to commit murder, and kidnapping. Alan would later blame all this on Patricia and even went as far to say, the only thing I'm guilty of is bringing the person who committed this crime to Vermont, and for that, I'm truly sorry. His mom puts all the blame on Patricia, too. Let's be honest, though. He's a grown man, and he could have stopped this at any point, but he didn't. He helped his wife with all of this. Patricia, on the other hand, who had not admitted to anything, pled guilty rather than stand trial. It said that she was planning on using the insanity defense if she was sent to trial, but asked the court if she could change her plea so she could correspond with her husband. It turns out the the couple was not allowed to contact each other during court proceedings, although I'm not sure why they would want to. Patricia's lawyer said that she is severely mentally ill and the case should be to focus on the mental health. He said that Patricia suffered from post-traumatic stress disorder and might suffer from disassociative identity disorder as well. How they think she may suffer from that, I'm unsure. Patricia did make sure to insult her husband one more time in sentencing. She said, and I quote, I want to apologize personally for the fact that my husband wasn't a strong enough human being to admit his wrong and he was able to take his rightful punishment willingly, unquote. In fact, let's just listen to a clip of this. Speak louder than words. That's something my mother taught me. 
It's not enough to just look at you all today and say, I'm sorry, and expect that that will ever be good enough. In actuality, I know there is nothing I or anyone could say to you to make what you've been put through any easier. But I stand here before you today willing to give my freedom for the loss of her life. I've asked for life without the possibility of parole. That's how I want to show you that I'm deeply and profoundly sorry for whatever part I played in the death of your family member. My only regret then my only other regret then other than what I have for what happened to Melissa is that I didn't get the mental health help I so desperately needed before it came to all of this. I know that there's a profound difference between being sorry you got caught and being sorry for a tragedy you helped cause. I'm not sorry we were caught. I am sorry that it ever happened at all. Patricia ended up being sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. Alan was sentenced to life in prison and is in the appeal process because he says he's innocent. There you have that crazy love story if you're twisted. I hate all of this for Melissa's son who's growing up without a mother because of two sex-crazed nuts. Let us know what you think. Should Alan have a lesser punishment? I don't think so. I think that they both should stay in prison forever. I mean, I do think that this, like, he wouldn't have done it if it wasn't for Patricia, but he could have stopped it and he chose not to. So he definitely could have stopped it. And don't, didn't you just love her really heartfelt apology? I'm pretty sure that a robot could have read that with more emotion. Yes. And I love how she was like, I'm asking for life without parole like you don't this is mcdonald's <laughs> you need to request what you want you get what you get that's just what happens when you get and whatever part i might have played in the death of your maybe you killed her <laughs> the part you played was killing her yes but then she also throws in her mental illness too which girl but none of it sounded heartfelt at all. It was just, no. it felt like all excuses. Started off with a very petty comment about her husband, <laughs> yes. and it did not get better from there, really. It just, yeah. the more she talked, the more I was rolling my eyes. Like, okay, actions speak louder than words. Well, I hope so, because your words don't sound very sweet. So I hope something can speak louder than that. That's what my mother taught me. <laughs> did she tell you not to kill, or did she leave that one out? I don't know. Anyway, I do feel bad for Melissa's son. Obviously, feel bad for Melissa and all her other family. But I just, I, not only because he had to grow up with other mother, but because he he saw it. I mean, he knew. Yeah. He showed them that yeah. she'd been strangled. Like I can't imagine what that has to do to the psyche of a two year old. Um, but anyway, very um, very crazy couple those two. Yes. We always recommend more bubbly and less OJ. Cheers! If you'd like to see pictures from today's episode, you can find us at murder.mimosas on Instagram. You can also find us at murder.mimosas on TikTok, Twitter. And if you have a case you would like us to do, you can send that to murder.mimosas at gmail.com. 
And lastly, we are on Facebook at Murder and Mimosas Podcast, where you can interact with us there. We love any type of feedback you can give us. So please rate and review us on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thank you.